over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Yes, it is. And like we do every Saturday morning, we're inviting you into my house at Rosie on the House. We can talk about any project you're trying to tackle in, about, and around your house, home, castle, or cabin. You can reach us by dialing the toll-free number one 767 767-4348. And we'll be able to find out where you are in Arizona, what it is you're trying to get done, and how it is our experience of building and remodeling in Arizona for the last 45 years might be of some help or assistance in that of which you are trying to get done. A lot of questions uh, coming in through the week. I was actually out a big part of the week. Uh, I talked sweet Jennifer into joining me and uh, we jumped in the Sanderson Ford Transit and headed down to Tucson to meet all of our Pima County Rosie on the House certified partners. Got to see them all. Got to participate in the uh, Boomer Fair uh, with KGVY down in Green Valley. And uh, it was great being down there, seeing all the winners of the Reader's Choice Awards uh, from from a couple months ago. We're very proud to say Rosie on the House again has uh, won in Pima County the number one favorite referral network resource in the state. So that makes it pretty well statewide. We're here locally in Arizona to do what we can to try and help you, the Arizona homeowner. Had a great trip through Tucson and Green Valley and a couple stops in Casa Grande. And I'd like to say we stopped with a couple of our contractors in Casa Grande. And let me tell you a little story. When we started the show in Phoenix, we would get Lots of requests for work here locally. Then we expanded to Tucson, and we started getting requests for work in Tucson from the listeners. So then we had to go down there and kind of start screening some partners and making sure we knew who to refer and who to stay away from. And then everybody in Pinal County said, hey, you're you're missing us. Like, we're one of the fastest-growing counties in Arizona. You can't just jump right over us. So then we spent some time in Casa Grande, and we researched some contractors there that we could refer, Brutnell Plumbing and Electric, as well as, 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 well as, as a Desert Heating and Cooling. So it was great to see them. Those of you in Pinal County know this. A lot of our contractors in Maricopa County and Pima County won't make the 40 to 60 mile drive to get to you in Pinal County. So we're in an ongoing uh, research to try and find other contractors in that in that gap, in that space in Pinal County that are worthy and capable of making it through the screening process. And I know some of you in Tucson and Phoenix, uh, Marana and um, Maricopa, sometimes will call the Casa Grande contractors and want to know if you'll, they'll travel out of their area, and they, they don't. They don't generally. They're pretty well born and bred right there servicing their home community. They don't very often venture very far out. 
So we're trying to bridge that gap. We're trying to give Pinal County that list of referrals and trusted contractors, as we have done in Phoenix for 30 years, in Tucson for 20 years. And we're still continuing to grow. We've added a couple new contractors just in the last few months. We have the goal of remaining Arizona homeowners. Number one, intelligent, smart place to start any home improvement. Don't you and don't let your neighbor start a home improvement without checking with Rosie on the house first. And if you've got someone moving in next door from out of state, make sure they too are aware of the program. We're here to protect you. We're here to inform you. We're here to entertain you. All as it relates to your house, home, castle, or cabin. And painting is our tip of the week. But before we go to that, let's see if we can take a call. Uh, Donald from Phoenix has rung in. Let's see if we can welcome him to the conversation and help him out here a bit. Hello, Donald. Well, hello, Rosie. Uh, I've got a question about a, a quartz countertop that we had put in our kitchen in March of 2021. My wife was cooking on a crock pot, and there was a seam in this countertop, yeah. and it actually bowed up from the heat. Yeah. And then when we when we removed the crock pot, it went back down, but it, it caused a crack. So how do I handle this with the contractor? Should they come and replace this whole thing, or... or what do you think? Okay. The seams in quartz, as you found, are susceptible to heat. Uh, we discovered that when we installed quartz in our kitchen 15, 18 years ago. Uh, and now when Jennifer wants to do a crock pot, we actually set it on top of a good, heavy butcher block cutting board. It was installed recently enough that you certainly should call the contractor that installed it after checking any care and maintenance instructions he may have left you with. Many times when those quartz tops are installed, homeowners are warned either in writing or in a verbal uh, orientating uh, session uh, to avoid extreme heat in, about, and around those seams. The good news, whether they informed you of that, whether they gave you instructions of that, uh, hopefully they'll be available to come back and assess it, and it is it 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 can be. What what's the backsplash, Donald? Uh, the backsplash is something different. It is um, AZT Paloma Cloud. That's all it says. Yeah, and that's over the top of the granite countertop. Counter, yeah, well, yeah, well, countertop wall behind it. Yeah, countertop went in first. And then that product came in and got mounted to the backsplash. That can add a small complicating factor to making the correction. But I think all you can do is call the contractor that installed it. Let's visit with him about what the circumstances are and see what he has to offer. If he gets stumped, uh, we certainly have several quartz experts that we'd be willing to send over there and take a look at it. I think you'll okay. be happy. Right. Generally, generally speaking... In, uh, in our remodeling business, uh, quartz countertops constitutes about 90% of what we're putting in kitchens right now because they are so much lower maintenance and the patterns have become so huge in their choices. You can find just about anything you're looking for. So you made a good choice. 
Let's get a good wood butcher block to set that crock pot on in the future and see if we can't get this little situation taken care of. All righty, Rosie, thank you so much for the information. Appreciate it. Okay, man, appreciate the call. Good luck. Sorry to hear about that. What a bummer. We, 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 uh, we do not put very much natural stone in any price home, hardly anymore. Um, whereas marble and natural granite were so popular for so long, the quartz has come so far in selection availability and color and veining uh, and character. And there, ver- there's so much less maintenance that yeah. it, it's hard to argue against them. The polymers that they put in there to... Yeah, they're bulletproof. You know, make it non-absorbent, which is what happens with your natural stones and granites. I mean, they're, they're cut out of the earth uh, and they're porous. And expensive to replace. And you find that out after you cook your second BLT. <laughs> <laughs> so, or, or spill your second glass of red wine on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you just go, oh, these are porous. Yes, they are. Mercy, mercy. Well, painting is our tip of the week. And uh, I know a lot of you consider painting the uh, entry level. DIY project, anybody can paint, and they can, that's true, uh, with a, a good pair of eyes and a, a disciplined uh, attack. Anyone can do a good paint job, but there are tips and tricks to make your paint job step up to the next level and not look like you did it yourself but really give you the crispness at the corners, the crispness at where the wall meets the casing and the baseboard, the crispness when you come up to dissimilar colors, the perfection of the surface and any repairs and prep you made, and the depth of the paint. Paint done right over a good primer, put in with a couple good heavy coats of good quality paint is the difference of walking up to an old sunburned car with the paint sunburned off the top of the engine hood and the top of the car and walking up to a brand new automobile paint job. It can be that different. So we're going to be bringing a few of our trade secrets to you in this next segment, talking about painting. And as Romy even alluded to in the last hour, much of what we're going to talk about will be the prep. A good paint job is only as good as the prep. Now, before we go to break, we're asked 15 to 20 times a week, should I paint my house with Elastomeric type products? Rosie's opinion is that Elastomeric is not the product I would put on my house. You are putting a waterproof raincoat over your house, on the stucco, even where it adjoins the dissimilar material, like the barge rafters, the window frames, the door frames. Um, And there's going to be, in time, a crack developed there that's going to make conditions conducive for moisture penetration. Once moisture, any moisture, gets behind that layer, 
your goose is cooked. The moisture only has one place to go. Sit saturated inside the wall surface, the insulation, and the framing members. I'm a much bigger believer at this point in my life that for painting the exterior of your home, you should rely on 100% acrylic paint installed every 7 to 10 years. That lets your house exhale moisture that could possibly be building up inside your walls. We get that question 15 or 20 times a week. I just wanted to address it. When we get back, let's talk about that hypothetical middle bedroom that's being converted to an office and how we're going to prep it for paint when we get back, as well as take your call at one 767 4348 Sunshine, open up your sleepy eyes for me. Can't have your hide in. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. If you'd like to join the conversation, we will get to our weekly to do on paint condition. But let's see how we can help Gene. Good morning and welcome Hello, to the program. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Um, we've been living in this house for over 40 years, and just a couple of days ago, we have found that there's some fine sand in the toilet tank. I just don't know what, what could be causing that. Now, I have to ask, you've said you've lived there 40 years. How often have you looked in the tank for previously? Um, <laughs> Not often, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what triggered it is like there's a drip, drip, there's a sound. That's why my husband's saying what's in there is a, a leak in the tank. That's how he discovered it. And I do put pail under the, the bathtub uh, faucet to do some hand wash clothes sometimes. And this time there's fine sand, not much, and the water is still clear. It just really fine sand in the on the bottom of the pail also. And where what is your water source? Uh, like a, city, you're on a, the city water. It's now because there's a, a finite amount. I'm not too worried about it. You know, that first thing that would say is there's a leak somewhere, and as water's running through, it's sucking in. You know, this this sand from uh, from a, a leak in the pipeline along the way but i mean to find finite amount of sand in a tank is, is not really that uncommon i mean it, we the cities do clean the water to a certain standard and you know for it to accumulate in the tank that's the easiest spot because not all the water empties every single time but i mean you you, you really want to see some build up go go drain your water heater <laughs> i but there, there is something to this that you're now seeing it in the tank and the washing bin. Now, have you noticed, Gene, any city workers in the neighborhood, street work, side work, uh, backhoes digging in the neighborhood where maybe they were working? Actually, that's a good question. My next door neighbor had a major remodel. Okay. And we saw maybe the workmen maybe 
you know, have a pinhole in, in a water supply. But city told me there's no way they can do that. No. The, have, like, different distribution mm, line or something. They do. No, it's completely separate. So the neighbor's house isn't going to be the problem because uh, the, what he's doing there can't find its way back into the city over to you. But if the city's working on a water line upstream from you that needs to be repaired, uh, there possibly could have been a modest amount of, of something get in the lines. The fact that it's the first time you've seen it in 40 years and it's a modest amount, I don't think I would get overly anxious over it. I would watch it. Uh, I would try and accumulate it. You mentioned hand washing in the bathtub, uh, maybe an old nylon pair of nylons or a sock put over the tub spigot, turn it on and run it for five minutes, uh, run it cold, run it hot. See if one side or the other tends to be sending this in. Uh, you don't happen to have a water softener on your home, do you? Yes, we do. You do. Okay. How old is that? Oh, probably seven, eight years. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, then it, that shouldn't be the problem. But every once in a while, some of the uh, ballast in the in the material comes through. But your yours shouldn't be suffering that after seven years. Let's just see if we can accumulate some of this, Miss Jean, and let's see if it doesn't just solve itself. If in the course of two to four weeks it doesn't then we might want to start asking some more questions and looking deeper. But right now, let's just watch it and not be too anxious about it. Was your husband able to fix the toilet drip? Did that stop? There's no drip. He oh. thought there was a drip. It turned out, I guess, the, the, the sand kind of in the way a little bit. Yeah, okay. So okay. he looked and there was no drip. Okay, That's great. So the tank was draining. Sand on the bottom of the diaphragm fl uh, uh, flapper was keeping it from closing. He's cleaned that. Let's watch it and not get too concerned about it at this point. But please, if in two to three weeks you're still dealing with it, let's visit again. We'll do some more research. When we get back, we've got uh, Miss Arlene and Robert and our tips on making your paint job a pro's paint job. We did a little turning Arizona into Sanderson Ford country this past week. Jennifer and I jumped in the, we call it the moving billboard, the wrapped Ford Transit for Rosie on the House and ran down to Tucson. It's always so heartwarming to be running down the road in that thing. It's so obvious who you're associated with and to get people honking their horns, little polite little taps and thumbs up and it waves out the window. That's always so encouraging. Love that transit. Man, so much room in that thing. Had a meeting with the guys at Rosie Remodeling and uh, uh, Don has put in his order for a new F-150. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say a and transit. <laughs> and they're saying Sephora is now inherited his and 
the next hire is going to need a new F-250. So this weekend, Sanderson Ford is having a rat rod car show. I think after the show, I'm, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to take a look at the car show they've got going on just for fun. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to start shopping for the next the next two white Ford pickup trucks for the Rosie remodeling. Rosie on the house, Ford fleet, that's for sure. Wouldn't consider going and looking for them anywhere else other than Sanderson Ford. It's the only place we've bought a vehicle for the last 35 years. It's the only place I've recommended for the last 35 years. Jennifer and I originally, our first home was just across the street from them, and I used to walk over there on Saturdays and just dream and dream and dream. Boy, when I could finally buy the first one 30 years ago, the way I was treated told me I'm never going to need to find another car dealer, and I never have. Sanderson Ford on 51st Avenue, just south of Glendale, open Monday through Saturday, always closed on Sunday, and the Rat Rod Car Show is going on today. That might just be exactly the motivation I needed to drive over there this afternoon. Sanderson Ford. Let's get to Bob at one 767 That's one 888 for you Text questions can be sent to 411923, or you can email info at rosyonthehouse.com. And I promise we'll get to our paint condition, which we were actually supposed to start that segment with. I'm, I'm always the worst one about it, but we've already got Bob on the line, so let's help uh, Bob in Tucson. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, I have a, a ridge vent on my house which is fine for ventilating the attic, but it, it also backdrafts uh, dust and leaves and things into the attic. And I'm wondering what the solution might be. Oh, boy. Um, there are definitely different qualities of ridge vents as to how, how open they are, how well screened they can be. What kind of roof do you have? Uh, it's a shingle roof. Okay. All right. Well, those are generally a pretty low-profile vent. How old is it? Uh, I, I don't know. I put them on myself, but maybe about, maybe about 10 years ago. Yeah, okay. The, the, and, the ridge vent. And yeah. are you saying it's bringing debris into your attic because you've been up there and looked and you've seen this? Yes. Yes, I was just up there yesterday. Yeah, they'll. I've noticed it before, but I thought I thought I would uh, see what you had to say about it. Yeah, in those horizontal winds, those ridge vents in the earlier versions do, but they do make better grades of them. Uh, you installed it yourself. Uh, if I were you, if unless it got to the point it was absolutely intolerable, I can't imagine it isn't happening every day. It's got to just primarily be happening under the strong directional wind situations uh you're, you you've probably got at least another 10 years before you're gonna have to address that roof again uh you could take a look at some of the roofing wholesalers about the different vent caps that they make for the uh, three tab fiberglass asphalt shingles uh, all of them will backdraft a little but so will a dormer vent and in fact so will the uh, spiral vents. So the venting is important enough 
that unless it gets really excessive, Bob, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you just to learn to live with it. It's more important that you're venting that hot air out naturally uh, than it is keeping just a little bit of dust and leaf debris out of the attic, which in the long term isn't going to hurt anything significant. So I think you're in good shape. I hope I helped melt away a little bit of anxieties from your heart there. But those are the kind of questions we try and answer at Rosie on the House. If you've got something around the house that's causing you a concern or a question, or you've received a quote for work that you're just not sure is appropriate or fair, and you'd like to bounce it off of us, we can help you with all of those things. one 767 4348 Every Saturday morning from 8 to 11. Painting. Let's talk about painting. Um, We've taken, for the sake of today's conversation, that middle bedroom, that hypothetical middle bedroom, that now you're an empty nester or at least one of the children have moved out, and you've decided you can work from home now. Uh, The new COVID protocols mandated it. Your place of work allows you to work from home two, three, four days a week. We're going to convert that to an office. We talked about some tips on creating a vinyl flooring in there, get that carpet out of there, get a hard surface on there, something much easier to keep clean. Uh, Now we're going to talk about painting. And if it was a child's bedroom, uh, there's a decent chance there's some artwork that may have stained the walls. There might be some marks a lot or some crayons uh, of one type or another on the wall. Crayons can generally be cleaned uh, with uh, an, uh, an acetone or a wall cleaner uh, and get it off. But ink stains like from a Sharpie uh, felt tip marker, those won't be able to be removed from the paint. And you won't be able to paint over them they will actually bleed through whatever paint you're putting over the top of them unless you properly seal over them. One of the more popular products that's been around the longest is a spray paint can of a product called Kills, K-I-L-Z. And uh, it's an excellent product for this. Make sure the can is very well shaken. You back up about 8 to 12 inches away from the ink stain on the wall and simply spray paint that to a point where it's adequately covered, but you're not having any paint dripping down the wall. Allow. I'd much rather you coat it lightly, walk away from it, go have a glass of tea, sit on the backyard, play fetch with the dog, and come back and put a second coat on in a half hour then rather just keep spraying it until the paint is literally dripping down the wall because then you've created a very, very amateurish mistake that's just going to shout at you every time you walk in the room. Now, that technique also worked very well if the kids had anything hanging on the wall that needed to come down that tore the sheetrock paper. Any of those little furry edges of the drywall paper that's sticking out, you're going to need to eliminate. Depending on the size of the problem, you can take a razor blade knife and cut those. If it's a long poster that was hanging, maybe this, maybe the tear on the paper is eight or nine or 10 inches long. 
then you'll just cut a little V into the sheetrock and just remove that mm-hmm. frayed paper edge. Maybe it's just where the doorknob or, or a nail was re, re, removed and now the drywall is furred, frayed out. Well, I can tell you one little trick is just simply take, if it's, if it's smaller than a quarter, all you have to do is take a hammer and beat it, just hit it one time so it's below the finished surface of the wall. Hit it and then take some drywall joint compound with a six or eight inch blade knife, float right over it, let it dry, then hit it with a little spray kills and you've begun to do the preparatory work. So once we've got all those ink marks and those frayed paper lines sealed and repaired, now we're going to want to wash the walls and we like to wash them with a T, uh, TSP cleaning product, trisodium phosphate, with sponges and, and, and buckets of water and you're going to want to clean that really good with clean water. Get it cleaned down really good now you're set to prime the walls. I think Romy's got a couple tricks on, on prepping and taping the baseboard to get nice crisp sharp, crisp, sharp, crisp, sharp edges. But before we get to his tips on that, let's see if we can get to Marty, who wants to talk about uh, some roof quotes he's apparently gotten. Let's see if we can help him out. Good morning, Marty. Mar- um, this is Marty. Thank you, Romy. Yeah. I mean, y- yes. Um, hi, Rosie. Yeah. I was wondering, I've gotten three great quotes from your three roofing um, people okay. on Rosie on the House. Okay. They've all been awesome. Okay, great. Getting ready to put that on before Christmas. Okay, all right. And here's my question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have the ridge vent put on, and I've been pretty attentive about keeping notes every time you have a roofer uh, segment, roofing segment on. But, Rosie, if this were going to be your house, I've gotten two different um, opinions as to whether put as to putting whirly birds on the back. I uh-huh. just want a nice clean surface in the front, but in the back, this one fellow from one of the companies said, "I'm telling you, I know people aren't crazy about them. They've got them painted so they match your roof." But he said those things are great. Well, I don't think when it comes to attic ventilation, it's hard to get too much ventilation that's naturally occurring. I don't like to motorize any vents. I don't like to put fans up there. But if you're going to ridge vent, there's absolutely no reason not while you're re-roofing to go ahead and install three or four whirlybirds back below the ridge line where they're not visible from the front. It doesn't hurt a thing, increases a little bit of the natural ventilation. That's the way I would probably do it at my very own home. Okay, and, you did it, Rosie. Okay, all right, Miss <laughs> Moore. All right, got to get that roof in, in shape before Santa Claus starts landing his his uh, reindeer and sleds on on top. That's for sure. I feel bad. I should have put a, a couple of whirly boots below the, the 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 top of the roof. That that makes just, perfect sense. To you know, just enough so you can't see it. The higher the better, but just low enough off the back oh, where you man. can't see it. And a ridge vent then takes care of that little bit extra on the top. Every time I hear this show, it costs me money. (laughs) (laughs) Good money, good money, good money. And that's one of those things you could argue all the time. You know, if if you have ridge vent, well, then you don't need the whirly birds. And without whirly birds, that's three less, you know, that's each whirly bird is one more potential leak spot. So, I mean, you you could argue it. Like I said, you you can't really overventilate an attic. Um, 
But the nice thing about the ridge vent is it's designed perfectly. Um, you know, it, it's a vent along the entire length of your attic. Hot air rises, so it's naturally ventilating the whole time, and that's the the reason it's the most commonly used. And there's equations as well to, to code how much ventilation you have yes. to have per as a square yeah. uh, feet of, of attic space you have. And you know, the roofers know those regulations and can make those calculations. And it may just be that he felt uh, that the ridge vent didn't give you enough square foot ventilation that's required by code for your existing attic. Could have been the case as well. The important takeaway for the rest of you Arizona homeowners who are listening is never, ever power ventilate your attic. Never put any fan that sucks air out of your attic. Never. Even if it's solar powered, don't do it. Ever. Never. Now, Romy, you've painted some of the sharpest, crispest lines of anybody I know. When we get back, I told everybody you were going to share some secrets with them about how to do that. And we're going to do it right after this short break. So, Romy, uh, when you were preparing the nursery for the new arrivals at your home, you did some really cool accent color paintwork that you had to cut in to other colors. So, share a little bit about your tips on making those professionally crisp edges between colors. You know, it's... Really, just the the time to make sure your tape line is straight, and that's that, and that the tape is stuck to the wall. When you're looking at your wall, there's a lot of you may have a lot of texture on it, you know, orange peel or skip trowel or whatever the the drywall finish is, and that tape has to get into all those little crevices and cracks and create that. Uh, that seal so that the paint doesn't seep underneath the tape. And there's all different types of tapes that uh, have different thicknesses. And some say that, uh, you know, that's thick enough now. And it's been long enough that, you know, I, I haven't played with any of them. But at the time I did ours, that, that, that real green frog tape hadn't even come on the market yet. I do like it. So I've, I've never tested to know if that's good enough by itself. So what's your trick for making that sharp edge? You, you just go back and put a, a, a fine, 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 fine caulking line on the tape edge and, you know, rub it with your finger. And that'll make sure that the no paint can seep underneath. And then you just can't let it sit. I mean, as soon as you cut in that, uh, the paint, a lot of people will, you, you know, you think, walk, well, you let it dry it. <laughs> and then come back and tape, take it off. No, if you've got any tape that goes over on paint that goes onto that tape, you know, if the if it's a good quality paint, when you come pull the tape off, it's going to pull the paint off the drywall. <laughs> so, it's you know, as soon as that's done and it's wet, you got to rip that tape off. And, and, you know, you do it carefully so you don't mess up what you just painted. But that was uh that was how we did it but they, they said they that green frog tape is supposed to be good enough by itself but I, I haven't painted recently enough to to know or try well there's a couple professional paint 
tips that we've given you this hour to help make your next paint job. And there's a whole laundry list of things to talk about. How do you put paint up? How do you clean your brushes? How do you clean your rollers? How do you store paint? Well, you're just going to have to go to rosieonthehouse.com to find all that. I will tell you this. Paint put up properly. I opened a can of paint that was dated 2004. Almost 20 years old. Stirred it. It was properly stored. Stirred it and applied it to a patch area of a wall that was absolutely indistinguishable. You could not tell that we had put a patch there. But you have to properly store it. Okay. The other question we were asked a lot this week is, how do I know I'm hiring a legitimate contractor? Oh, man, that's like an hour-long conversation. But please, we get calls all week long. Rosie, I didn't use a Rosie certified partner, and I'm in trouble. How can you help me? If, if you're not going to take the time to get a Rosie on the House certified contractor to your home, at least do yourself the favor of making sure they're licensed, bonded, and insured. And double-check them. The numbers they give you, the policy numbers they give you, check them. Make sure they're current. Make sure they're active. Make sure at the Register of Contractors that license number isn't pending investigations or have a long list of unresolved complaints. That's just the beginning of what you want to do. Another secret tip that I tell people all the time is if you're contemplating a bathroom remodel or a kitchen remodel, Go to the wholesalers that move the products you're going to need. Go to the appliance warehouses. Go to the plumbing fixture warehouses. Ask them, hey, of all your customers, who pays their bill on time? Who's been a customer for the longest time? Whose jobs seem to be the most organized? If you were going to do a project with these products that you have on display, who would you hire to get it done? And I promise you, every one of those wholesale showrooms has a favorite contractor or two because they've been there a long time. Their jobs are organized. They get jobs done on time. They have happy customers and they pay their bills. That's a secret tip that most homeowners need to hear. Because a lot of the people that spend a lot of the money advertising whose names are most recognizable tend to be the ones that aren't generally recommended. That's all I'm going to say about that. Folks, I hope we helped a little bit this week around your house, home, castle, or cabin. I hope we melted away some of your anxiety that you may have built up. And know this, we'll be back next Saturday morning. As always, see you then.